Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Megan Hussline. Hey Meredith, it's been a minute, so I'm excited to be back on the show today. I know, I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Um, I think you and Alexis got to talk mm-hmm. like last month, right at the start of the football season. Yeah, that was super fun to talk with her, but now we're in the thick of it. We got some hirings and firings, so excited to dive into that with you. I know, it's certainly, it's been a wild week, Mm -hmm. like, in the Big Ten in particular. I think what we thought was going to happen was not going to happen, especially if you look at the Big Ten West. Um, So we have lots of things to dive into, but... Before we jump into that and other Ohio State-related topics, we do have some other hot discussion items. Um, This is not fun news at all. This is actually very sad news. But, um, Megan, I'm sure you saw about the NWSL breaking news this week. Um, Allegations of player abuse, sexual coercion on on the part of multiple soccer coaches in the NWSL. Yeah, this whole thing is just like kind of unbelievable to me that it's been going on this long and there's been this many complaints and still nothing, absolutely nothing has been done about it, you know, from any level. So, and the fact that, you know, these coaches are still being allowed to coach and go to new teams, it's just really upsetting that 
you know, the league has failed that all of these players and I don't know, it's just really sad that they haven't done anything to, you know, stop the situation or help these players. Yeah. And the timeline to me was really unbelievable as well. Um, and I actually like I had to go back and redig in because they mentioned multiple commissioners of the league. And I was like, wait, it's been going on this long and this many people knew about it at the league's highest level. Mm-hmm. And it was only the most recent commissioner who uh, stepped in, I think, just this past spring um, who cooperated with the investigation. And this ended up being like a 300 page report. And it's just so upsetting. The report even detailed that it's this culture of uh, essentially abuse that goes back to even youth soccer leagues. Yeah. Um, and I don't know about you, Megan, but like I remember growing up and playing team sports and coaches would definitely scream and yell and be like do the things that were mentioned in this report as being abusive. And it was just very normal. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like we've all had – at least one coach in our lifetime that probably shouldn't have been a coach. I mean, it's just upsetting. You know, you're just a kid trying to have fun and a coach is just taking it way too far. Um, Definitely crossing the line yet. There's still a lot to coach. So it's just upsetting that, you know, it's happening at such a young age and continuing through the professional level. So I just feel bad that all these players have had to deal with this basically their whole lives. So Hopefully a change is coming soon and, you know, they, this situation gets solved, but it is very upsetting that this starts at such a young age, like you said. Yeah. And the report did detail recommendations for fixing the situation immediately, one of which, and I cannot believe this was not in place already, two of which, sorry, we're going to talk about two of them. Um, one is a reporting hotline, like an anonymous reporting hotline anywhere in the league this does not exist currently so that players can report abuses or report misconduct um that does not exist now um but hopefully it will very soon and the other piece and you alluded to this megan already but coaches are allowed to move on and their past it just seems to be erased so they might be fired for abuse but then the report even cited like they'll get press releases written in flowery language that you know, make it seem like a mutual parting of ways, and then they'll have opportunities to go and do this at another club. I cannot believe that this can fly in a professional sports league. I mean, it's the NWSL, you know, this would never happen in the NFL or the NBA or any of those types of leagues. So, hey, let's not go that far. John Gruden was allowed to coach for many, many years. Let's not talk about John Gruden, but... Yeah. (sighs) I, I can't believe that, especially the hotline. That's particularly surprising to me. There's nowhere to go besides basically your other teammates. I guess you can just share and, you know, what you're feeling with each other, but there's nowhere to go to actually do anything about it or tell anyone. I'm glad that that's finally getting established, but I can't believe that that wasn't a thing before. Yeah. And the other piece too is this uh, report cited that most of these clubs don't have HR departments. Again, another avenue that uh, players should be able to use and that frequently coaches will fill multiple roles on the team. So coach and general manager. Um, And that means basically that the head coach has sole control over the lives of the players. Um, And so if players don't, you know, quote, fall in line 
or have a complaint, like that can be really damning. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, I don't know if you saw this. Did you realize that players in this league often make around $30,000 a year? Uh, no. Holy Like, yeah, professional athletes. Like that is – that's absurd. This league just needs a lot of help, it sounds like. This is – wow, that's shocking. It needs help. Um, one interesting thing I, I thought about this report also, and then we can certainly move on, um, but USA Soccer actually commissioned this report. It wasn't the NWSL itself. Hmm. Um, and I love that, like, USA Soccer, obviously they have their own issues. We will not gloss over those, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to women's soccer. Um, but kudos to them for sticking to this and for making sure that this report came out um, and that hopefully some of these things can get resolved in the future. Yeah, I mean, at least someone is sticking up for these players. So hopefully everyone is now, you know, trying to make improvements and, you know, just get these problems solved as soon as they can. So hopefully we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on to more pleasant topics, much more pleasant topics. Mm-hmm. Megan, I got an alert on Monday morning that Chris Olave is currently the leader in Rookie Player of the Year. This makes me so happy. And I'm honestly, I don't want to say I'm surprised because I'm not. We all know how good he is. But it's just, you know, the factors around him. He has Michael Thomas, who another great Buckeye. We love him. But he he's the wide receiver one on the Saints. And they also have Jarvis Landry, another great receiver. But Olave just came in, and honestly, he's the wide receiver one now. His stats, he leads the team, you know, so far this season in pretty much most offensive categories. So it's just really great to see how successful he's been. I mean, he's been playing so well. So I'm definitely happy for him. But, hey, his – his Buckeye teammate, Garrett Wilson, have to shout out the Jets. He's doing great, too. So it is great to see both um, Buckeye receivers doing so well uh, so far, you know, so early in the season. Yeah, definitely, like, strong representation. Like you mentioned, Michael Thomas, also like a teammate of Olave. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like for a very long time we had this drought of Ohio State wide receivers in the league. Um you know, it felt like we had to go back to like Chris Carter and David Boston um, in like the early 2000s slash the late 90s to get right. back to this previous era of Ohio State receivers. But love to see what Brian Hartline is doing in the receiver room at Ohio State translating to outstanding NFL players. Chris Olave has 21 catches, 335 yards, just one touchdown this year. He had 147 yards receiving against the Panthers. I know. It's honestly insane. So many yards. Right. Like, it's it's great to see a rookie. I mean, he just fits in so well. It's so great. I'm so happy for him. And like you said, doing it when he didn't come in as the number one or even really number two wide receiver in the room. Um, but, yeah, we will – we'll see how uh, things continue to go. Um Saints not necessarily looking up this year, but, you know. Hey, Olave's a bright spot. And for him, you know, we're just going to see the stats and be happy with that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, elsewhere in the NFL, this is quite the head scratcher, uh, DK Metcalf was carted off the field on Sunday so that he could use the bathroom. I mean, 
I guess if you gotta go, you gotta go. And if you have the luxury of a cart, take it. But this this whole situation is just so funny to me. I love it. And I love did you see uh RG3? He tweeted like prayers up, saw that Metcalf was t- uh carted off the field. <laughs> he wasn't injured. So oh my gosh. This this is just hilarious to me. Well the thing that got me was so Obviously, it got tweeted out like DK Metcalf carted off to use the bathroom. Uh, and Metcalf tweeted in reply afterward that clinch walk wouldn't have made it. <laughs> and like, not that we're going to use the show for potty humor, but like, this is so funny. I mean, yeah, at least he made this whole thing is just funny. I love how he just wasn't embarrassed about it. He just, hey, I mean, he owned up to it and he made a joke. I think it's hilarious. Everyone around the league, I think, found it funny. It was just, it was a good day. It was a nice moment for- We've all been there. Yeah. It's it's relatable. Yeah. Yeah. On to, well, this is really depressing, but in terms of folks who were carted off and are not doing great, um, I feel like we need to address what happened to Tua basically over the previous like 14 days, starting back with their- uh, the Bengals, thir- excuse me, the Dolphins Thursday night game at Cincinnati um, and on to the Dolphins game on Sunday. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Tua took a hit. Um, sorry, timeline was wrong. Tua took a hit on a Sunday game, mm-hmm. was screened for a concussion, went back on the field, took a hit Thursday against the Bengals ended up being carted off. And I'm not a neurologist or a neurosurgeon or a doctor of any kind, but apparently the emotions that he was making with his arm indicated a serious neurological injury. I mean, we're not doctors, but I'm. we have eyes. And just that first hit that he took in that Sunday game, I mean, he got up and he fell back down. Like, clearly, he was not okay. Even if they, they said it was a back injury, but even if it was a back injury, like you don't put him back in. Like he definitely wasn't okay from the Sunday game, yet he played the remainder of the game. And then to take a hit four days later of that magnitude, you could obviously immediately tell he was slammed to the ground. And then, like you said, he made that indication with his hands, um, which showed, you know, a serious brain injury. That was extremely scary. Um but it just it shouldn't have gotten to that point in general. So I'm glad that they've made some changes regarding, you know, the team neurologist. They fired him. But th- it, there just needs to be a complete overhaul of concussion protocol because obviously it failed him in this situation. Yeah. And I will say, like, the bright spot, hoping, certainly hoping, number one, that Tua is okay mm-hmm. and that his health is the first priority. What has been really, I guess, refreshing to see in the last few days has been the league's outcry against Tua getting put back in the game. Right. Like, there is already an investigation into it. Like you said, the independent neurosurgeon was already – or neurologist was already fired. Um, And Tua, I believe, got interviewed yesterday – um, about his experience and what happened. And the Players Association is not having this at all. Um, so kudos to everyone involved who is making sure that what happened to it does not happen again. Yeah. I mean, at least, yeah, like you said, 
there are changes being made. People are standing up for Tua, making sure this doesn't happen to anyone else. But the Dolphins definitely failed him in the situation, but I'm glad to see that changes are being made, hopefully. Yeah. As an aside, I don't really ever want to have a Thursday night game in Cincinnati again. That's where Ryan Chazier got hurt. Oh, really? Yikes. That's just bad luck then. Or was that a Monday night game? That might have been a Monday night game. Regardless, weeknight, primetime <laughs> yeah, game in Cincinnati. Yeah, we're not we're not dealing with that anymore. <laughs> anyway, so let's jump back into Ohio State because Ohio State did has had a hot, strong start to conference play. They won both of their opener opening games in Big Ten play by 30 plus points. Um, Tia and I had a chance to talk last week about Ohio State's performance against Wisconsin, um, but there's already been new developments from America's Dairyland uh, since we last spoke. So let's get into it. Leading off with Paul Christ is now out mm-hmm. as head coach of the Badgers. Yeah, this is just – I mean, it's not shocking considering how Wisconsin has played this season, but it's just shocking, you know, at the beginning of the season before they started, you would never think that this would happen. Wisconsin is always at the top of the West, you know, top – either the top team or, you know, top two teams. So it's just shocking that they've had a two and three start so far. Um, so I mean this, they had to see this coming personally. I'm a fan of the mid season coaching change because, Hey, clearly it just wasn't working out. So let's switch it up, you know, try something new, but Hey, Wisconsin truly like was a huge letdown this year. So they had to change something. It's been really interesting because we were seeing such conflicting signals heading into the season. Like you said, Wisconsin was widely picked as the team to win the Big Ten West Mm -hmm. heading into the year. But we also all knew that Paul Chris was on the hot seat before the season started. Um, It What I find interesting about the firing, so yeah, losing to Illinois – and your former head coach is definitely not a good look. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is odd because the Ohio State game obviously factored into his firing. And you can't exactly expect them to beat Ohio State. In some ways, you almost can't exactly expect them to be competitive in that type of environment. So I don't know. It it feels weird that like they didn't give him a couple more games that maybe would be more reasonable to win. Wisconsin has Iowa coming up. Um, you know, if they lose to Iowa, yeah, that might be cause for concern this season. Um, but yeah, I felt like uh, falling to Illinois and Ohio State was an odd set of circumstances to fire him after. That's fair. I mean. I don't know. It's just Wisconsin. Yeah, obviously they're not going to beat Ohio State. But I just feel like, you know, they could have done better. They put up the same amount of points as Toledo. So I don't know. I just feel like they're definitely could have been, I don't know, an improvement uh, for Wisconsin, make it at least a closer game. But and then. I don't know. It's just been a weird schedule and a weird year for the Big Ten West. Like, how is Illinois four and one? I'm just so lost right now. I, they were my pick for the bottom. I'm just, I don't know. This is just wild. Yeah, I mean, Brett Bielema has turned Illinois around a lot quicker than we expected. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's 
I think the West is definitely a flip of what everyone thought. Minnesota's good, obviously. I think folks kind of generally thought they would finish toward the top. Iowa's really bad. Northwestern is really bad. Um, So it's, I think it's just interesting what's been happening in the West, but you also like never know. Those teams are so, for the most part, defensively minded, and it feels like games can go any direction. Um, But speaking of the West, um, so we talked about this a few weeks ago, um, but Scott Frost is another. Big Ten coach fired early on in the season. There are only five FB or excuse me, five Power Five coaching vacancies at this point in the season, and two of them are in the Big Ten. So I think that's a really interesting point. And they're both in the Big Ten West. Yeah, I mean, everyone expected to, the Big Ten to be some say the top conference in the Power Five, and clearly, it's kind of a struggle this year. Honestly, on both sides, you know, like on the East. Michigan State, I mean, what's happening with them? And then the West is clearly just a mess. So it's pretty wild considering how highly touted this conference was. And now at this point in the season, they've already switched out two head coaches. So I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed with the West and just how much they're struggling this year. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about that in the East. We do have three teams of seven who are in the top 10 in the AP poll. Honestly, just um, so the, the top is definitely holding it down for right. the big 10, but I, I agree. I think folks thought that the conference would be a lot deeper than it has turned out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of mystery. So Maryland widely picked to be one of the bottom or the bottom. I think I picked them to be the absolute bottom in the East um, is four and one this year. They played Michigan really close. They beat Michigan State outright. Um, and then, like you said, Illinois is four and one as well. How did that happen? Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we'll see. I we'll talk later in the show about our new predicted order of the Big Ten West, which I think we'll need that time to think about it because I don't know, Megan. Yeah, could be yeah. anybody. Yeah, literally. So who knows? It's exciting, though. At least we have that. Yeah, it's it's cool to see uh, some shakeups. Yeah. it's And honestly, it's good to see Illinois good again. It's kind of boring when the same teams are bad year after year. But speaking of which, let's talk about Rutgers. Oh, great segue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously – Ohio State did not have any problem putting the Scarlet Knights away. I do feel like Rutgers is a better football team than they have been in previous years. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we tweeted out from Grant actually, Rutgers has never allowed less than 49 points to Ohio State. Oh, no. (laughs) They did not. They allowed more than 49 points last week as well. There definitely was improvement, but it's just – it's Rutgers. Like, they have to know, like, coming into it. Like, yeah, we're going to get beat, and it's probably going to be, like, a beatdown. So everyone knows. I mean, I'm pretty sure that in the past decade or so that Ohio State's play Rutgers, they've outscored them, I think. I want to say it's 300 to, like, 90-ish around there. I did the math a couple days ago. I forget. But it's just... Everyone knows. Rutgers week, easy beatdown. 
Rutgers knows it too. So, but I, I think there was, you know, a slight improvement this year. Greg Schiano put together a, a, a decent team. It's just Ohio State is Ohio State and Rutgers is Rutgers. Yeah. Um, and I will say like, again, to the point of it's a better team, Ohio State, yes, is talented enough to destroy Rutgers year in and year out. Um, but I mentioned this last week with Tia, it's a game that you can't sleepwalk through. Um, mm. And I think we saw a little bit of that in the first quarter. Rutgers obviously was up 7 nothing. We saw some very early mistakes. Igbuka yeah. stumbling a punt. Yikes, that was like awful. That was – there were a couple like very yikes moments that we – saw in the first quarter, uh, the Buckeyes obviously cleaned things up. Um, but the biggest yikes moment, and I think the storyline of the game, you know, once we realized that everything was well in hand for Ohio State and sort of started falling asleep, was this like almost fight between Ryan Day and Greg Schiano in the fourth quarter. Okay, I must admit, I was not almost falling asleep. I did fall asleep. <laughs> and then when I woke up, so my friends were like, oh my gosh, like what happened? And I like jumped on Twitter. I was like, oh my gosh, I missed a fake punt. You missed the fight. fight. <laughs> I was so upset. I'm like, I missed like the two biggest points of the game. And it was, it, it's hilarious. I am sorry. It's so funny. It It is funny. Um, we are not condoning violence on the show. We should not be fighting during football games or during any sporting events. That's bad. Um, however, like, the absurdity of the whole situation is just like it, there's there's so much to it. So first of all, Greg Shion, first of all, first of all, it started with a punt. It started with a fake punt, which I loved. It was oh, an amazing play. Mm-hmm. Greg Shiano is mad, and he had to like he had to have started sprinting across the field like immediately when the play was over. Oh, yeah. He made it over there pretty yeah, like I don't know what Greg Chiano's 40 speed is, <laughs> but like, yeah, he had to start like going immediately. But all of a sudden, it looks like he and Ryan Day are like trying to break their players apart. And then you just see them finger pointing at each other. Aggressive finger pointing, might I add. It was such aggressive finger pointing. <laughs> and then it like – they get broken up by the refs like children yes and like the head official is just like laughing his face off when he's trying (laughs) to do this call because first of all uh he had to call he he ejected Crookshank on a personal foul so Mm -hmm. Rutgers initial return man who made the tackle on Jesse Mergo out of bounds um and like he was giggling because like he couldn't remember what the number like what his number was and so it took like five seconds for him to find what the number was. And then he's like, yep, like unsportsmanlike conduct on both coaches, like those penalties offset, like moving on. And I, it was just pandemonium. I, I love it. I mean, this just, we, Ryan Day is our guy. And this just proved that even more. I mean, the picture that is circulating with just, the like firm finger point and just the angry look on his face. And then the ref, like you said, in the background, just laughing. It's, it's amazing. I just, the fact that this happened, I mean, I can see how Shiana would be upset, but like, obviously we're not doing this to just like, you know, continually destroy Rutgers. If you leave the field wide open like that, Mirko's taught 
to, you know, take it. He's not just going to leave it wide open. That's like a punter's dream. So sorry it happened against you, but like, hey, maybe you should clean that up next time so it doesn't happen again. But I don't know. The whole thing was just phenomenal. And then just to top it off and name Mirko Special Teams Player of the Week. Yep. <laughs> That's just the icing on the cake for me. Well, let's also address this. I don't know if you woke up for this analysis from Josh Perry, former Ohio State linebacker, whom I love so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he was on the call and maybe a little bit biased, but I think he's right. Like Rutgers was showing blitz. Like they were going for the block. Right. Um, And so obviously our punter was like, well, the field is open, like you said, Megan. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as though he planned for that arrangement when he was, you know, getting on the field. He looked at the field and was like, yep, this is what I see. So I'm going to run for the first down. It's Rutgers' fault that he faked it. Right. I mean, sorry about it. Blame yourself, Gianno. Take responsibility for your actions. Yep. Don't don't come at Ryan Day. Come on. That's your former Buckeye brother and now (laughs) – no, the handshake. Can we discuss the handshake? Like, I feel like it still wasn't resolved. Shiano still seemed not happy. The biceps were flexed. Like, they were patting each other on the back, and they had, like, T-Rex arms. They were just, like, <laughs> asserting their dominance over each other. Oh. It was – and, like the, like, the hands were, like, clawed. It mm. was absurd. Apparently, they apologized, and they talked it out, but nonetheless yeah, – but- you know, it still happened. I feel like I feel like Shiana was low key like embarrassed that he did that afterwards. Like, oh crap! Like you I realize mean, you be if you like I mean, got in a fight on national television. Yeah, and then you realize like, oh, maybe this was my own doing. Like, oopsies. But or I like I'm in my I'm a like adult in my sixties and need to calm down. Hey, football! Football causes some. Some deep emotions, Meredith. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> sure does. Um, anyway, let's put a pin in that there. Uh, we do have more Big Ten and NFL things to talk about, but we're going to take a short break, so stay with us. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We talked about Wisconsin's firing of Paul Crisp before the break, which of course begs the question, who, Megan, is going to be the next head coach out? And let's do a Big Ten edition and an FBS edition. Okay, let's start with Big Ten. This, I don't know. I'm a bit 
torn because obviously in the East, I don't think um, anyone's going to be out. Obviously, the East is pretty, pretty strong. But in the West, I mean, we've already seen two leave. So I think I might have to go Iowa with Kirk Ferentz. I mean, I was just really struggling this year. Um, you know, I, they, they are three and two, but they're just not looking great. I don't think he'll get fired this year, but maybe, you know, if they continually don't have a great season and then maybe repeat again next season, he might go. But I think he might be my first option right now. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Kirk has been at Iowa for a very long time, and there seems to be a mutual understanding that he's going to go when he chooses to go. Um, We've seen – I mean, we've seen the situation play out in the West at a school like Nebraska. Mm -hmm. You fire Bo Pelini for going nine and three, eight and four, year in and year out, and then you end up with absolute mediocrity. So – I feel like Iowa is more willing to accept the six and six season if it comes to that um, because it can get much, much worse. Right. Um, One thing I do think will happen at Iowa is they're going to fire their OC who happens to be Kirk's son. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Nepotism at its best. Iowa consistently has among the worst offenses. (laughs) Yeah, can we talk about the first game of the season? <laughs> yeah, let's let's address the fact there were no offensive touchdowns scored in the first game of the season. Yikes. Like, uh, but they're, I mean, yeah, their offense is abysmal, um, but he continues to be the coordinator. Um, so it does feel like that will be a coaching change that happens. Um, I'm going to go, like, on a more positive vibe. I think it's going to be Jeff Brom. Um, he's a – He's a big Louisville guy, mm-hmm. uh, and it feels like if that position were to open, he might return to Louisville. It would be a lateral move, but like to a school where he has some history, okay. um, and he's done a nice job at Purdue. And it could be Louisville. It could also be more of an upgrade type of situation for him, um, but he would be my pick for probably the next coach to leave. Okay. I like the the positive mindset, you know, not a firing, just Yeah, just a just a next, you know, the next opportunity for a step up. Right. Okay. As for college football as a whole, this is probably a hot take, but Oklahoma is struggling mightily this season. I mean, yes, Brent Venerables is new. And there was high hopes for him, but two losses already this season is kind of kind of unacceptable, I feel like. And the way they're playing, I just I don't know. I feel like Venables might be on the hot seat. I give him I won't say he'll be fired this season, but if he doesn't turn it around by next season, I think he might be gone. Yeah. I mean, I think that's actually a really interesting pick. Oklahoma losing to Kansas State and TCU. Granted, Kansas State is something of Oklahoma's kryptonite True. in the last few years. But still. Um, but, no, I mean, Brent Venables was brought in to bring defense to the Big 12, basically, right? right. Um, and it's not working. No, not at all. Um, Kansas State dropped 41. TCU dropped 55. Yikes. 
And so I agree. It feels like they're they're not going to get rid of him this year. I think it's too high profile. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have his players in just yet. But yeah, I can't imagine he gets too many seasons like this at Oklahoma. Yeah, so. I agree. But yeah, getting back to the Big Ten um, and per our discussion before the break, we did see some surprises over the weekend. Um, I think we can now confirm that Iowa is probably not very good this year. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Michigan stuck it to them more than we might have expected. Uh, Minnesota looked bad without Mo Ibrahim. Um, Purdue looks good. Yes. So with all of this information, who is your big ten? Who's your pick in the Big Ten West? I I just can't believe I'm saying this because these were my bottom teams. But okay, Illinois. I don't know if they can keep it up the whole season. We'll see. But they're doing great right now. But I think overall, Purdue. I definitely think that they have. What it takes to just, you know, defeat the rest of the West because obviously – or excuse me, the East because they got Maryland, they do have Wisconsin, they do have Nebraska, but I don't know. I just feel like they're playing solid football right now. They don't have too difficult of a schedule, obviously. So I think they're they're going to win the West. How about you? I'm oscillating between Purdue and Minnesota. Okay. I think – Minnesota has a really favorable schedule on the way out. I think the fact that hopefully Mo is back in future games, we don't really know what was going on with him and why he sat out against Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like Purdue is more likely to trip up with their remaining schedule than Minnesota is. Um, obviously, Purdue would own the tiebreaker over Minnesota right now. Right. So I would say it's a toss-up, but I think Minnesota because I think Purdue is going to drop a game on accident. Okay. Not that anyone drops a game on purpose. <laughs> I mean, but Minnesota's got Penn State. And you think, think they can take them down? I think I don't really know how good Penn State is. I um, mean, it's. I think they're good. I don't think Penn State will beat either Michigan or Ohio State. Um, and I mean, granted, you're right. Like Purdue doesn't have to play. Purdue has a relatively easy schedule. Their teams from the East that they have to play are Indiana and Maryland. Well, they played Penn State. I'm sorry. They lost to Penn State already. That was foolish. Uh, (laughs) What happens in week zero? Who knows? So long ago at this point. Um, But their remaining schedule is certainly favorable. Their last three games are Illinois, Northwestern, and Indiana. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll come back at the end of the season and we'll see. Maybe neither of us will be right. Maybe just, you know, I mean, Illinois will win. Yeah. I mean, I don't even – I feel like I'm so wishy-washy anyway. It's going to be Minnesota or Purdue or someone else. Exactly. We'll see. Anyway, wrapping things up and back to Ohio State. So looking ahead, we've got Michigan State, which normally feels like a much more terrifying game than it does this year. Uh, yeah, this year it's it's going to be a blowout yet again, I think. You know, we're still looking for a solid game after week one, and we haven't gotten it yet, and I don't think we'll get it this weekend. Michigan State's just not good. I mean, without Kenneth Walker, obviously he's in the NFL now. They don't really have an identity, I feel like, and 
they are just struggling this year. And I think we're going to go into East Lansing and uh, destroy them pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. We've seen the downside of trying to use the transfer portal to rebuild your team year in and year out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a score prediction? I'm going to go 45 to 10. I think our defense is going to pretty much limit their offense to one touchdown. I'll give them that. But besides that, not much not much going for the Spartans this weekend, I don't think. I'm going to go with 49-14. I'll give them two touchdowns because, uh, you know, we'll probably have third string in in the fourth quarter and who knows what's going to happen. That's fair. Either way, big Buckeye win. I think we can agree on that. Big Buckeye win. 6-0. and Knock on wood. Yes. <laughs> All right. Before we wrap the, up the show, Megan, do you have any shout outs? Yes, I have to shout out my guy, Aaron Judge. He hit number 62 finally last night um, on Tuesday. So he is the all-time AL home run leader now. Glad to get that off his back, but big congrats to my guy, Judge. Uh, I'm going to shout out my alma mater, the Air Force Academy Falcons, uh, for beating Navy last Saturday. Um, First step to the Commander-in-Chief's trophy. Air Force is, if you look at uh, the NCAA FBS football stats page, Air Force is the leader in like half of the statistical categories. Um, (laughs) That's what you get when you run the triple option Um, (laughs) and play in the Mountain West, I guess. Um, So anyway, hopefully another shout out in just a few weeks when they lock up the Commander-in-Chief's trophy against Army. Oh, right. Now I have another team to root for besides Ohio State. Woo! All right, that's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Megan at Megan Hustline, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.